Hi and welcome back to Women Who Fail. In this episode, I spoke to textile artist and co-founder of Spot Design Market, Anna Hepburn. Before we recorded this episode, Anna asked me if her more positive angle to failure was okay for the podcast. And my response to this was, of course, an emphatic yes. Anna spoke to me about her experience of lockdown, both on an individual and a business level. And she shared these words that really stayed with me after we stopped recording. Being given the precious gift of time, you consider stopping to think. This has been really, really important to me. And I think it's something that we really fail at. We fail to give ourselves time a lot of the time. I often wonder what that thing is that's inside us all that keeps us constantly on the go. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And I'd like to thank Anna once again for braving the podcast microphone for the very first time. Thank you, Anna. So, on to today's episode. I like listening to myself, so yeah. it's um, it would be cool to like to hear it back and and hear hopefully something helpful that will like guide me as well are you someone who doesn't often stop to think about like oh goodness like this is what I've accomplished or or those are some hurdles that I had to overcome do you just feel like you're just you don't give yourself that time to think about those things Sometimes, I mean, I think I was like, so I was reading this really good thing last night. I actually screenshotted it because I, I knew that something like this would be, would come into it. It was by, by um, so you want to talk about it. Do you know the Instagram? Uh, I'm going to write that down. No, yeah. I've heard of that. What is it? They basically cover all kinds of topics and they write, they write they write about them in like maybe f- up to like six squares and last night's was imposter syndrome which I feel like is a really good one for this yeah. and I was just reading through it it's like imposter syndrome can appear in a number of different ways a few different types of imposter syndrome that have been identified are and I totally fit three of them which is and there's like there's only five and I fit three and I'm like <gasps> oh my god okay so the first one was uh, the perfectionist. Yeah, of us are anyway. When it comes, especially when it comes to running your own business or your own channel or whatever it is, mm. um, the superhero, which is uh, because these individuals feel inadequate, they feel compelled to push themselves to work as hard as possible. So it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> And then the third one was the soloist. And I think probably a lot of us, again, that work for ourselves, I would imagine feel this. But it's these people tend uh, to be very individualistic and prefer to work alone. Self-worth often stems from their productivity. So they often reject offers of assistance. They tend to see asking for help as a sign of weakness or incompetence. Oh, goodness. And I, think- I, I sharply inhale there because that is 100% me. Right. Yeah. And um, it was just, I think it was just really interesting. And I think it's interesting to remind yourself of those things sometimes as well to, you know, to bring yourself back to earth a little bit. 
So I've just I've just started recording because I felt like we were already diving into some <laughs> yeah, I know. conversation. I hope you don't mind. You probably no, okay. noticed it. I know I just needed the button underneath. So I was like, <laughs> that would happen. Yeah. So I am talking to Anna of Anna Hepburn and um, Spot Design Market. And I'm just delighted to have you here. Yeah, I've been wanting, wanting to get you on the podcast for a, for a little while, but I think part of it is, yeah, I had to build up a bit of confidence in myself to, to approach people that that I follow and that I really I really admire what they do. So I'm chuffed a bit that, that you agreed to this and talking about, you know, ways in which we kind of get in our own way, you know, whether it's imposter syndrome or procrastination or perfectionism. Oh, they're all so relevant. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I have been following your posts kind of over lockdown and I think it's clear to say that to see that you've been super busy over lockdown, which is which is good. Yeah, it's been great actually, and um, in so many different ways. I had to keep. I mean, I was up in the Highlands with my family. Thankfully, just made it up there before everything shut mm-hmm. down, and then I ended up being up there for five months. But actually, it's ironically, it's been probably the best five months of my business days ever. I um. Mm-hmm. I've been busy and people have been ordering, which has obviously been great, but I've also been able to spend a lot of time thinking and working out ways of of moving forward with them, with both of them. Obviously with Spot Design Market, we couldn't do the physical events, so we had to go online. Um, And there was an awful lot of worry, I think, for me, you know, whether it was going to work online. And, And I think being one of the first markets to sort of do that properly during the lockdown phase is an awful lot more now than there was in the beginning so not having anybody to look to or to you know to gain experience from oh my gosh like you how have you done that or how does this work I've really had to feel it out for myself so there's a lot of trial and error but I was so so pleased with how both of them went the summer the spring and the summer one was just a lot of fun I love doing it like you know it's why I do mm. it I love supporting makers and I understand this understanding because I'm a maker and designer myself you know I, I feel like the understanding is there as to how an event should work to benefit the maker not just to benefit the market as a as a whole you know mm. you really want to pinpoint highlight the highlight the the beautiful and the talented and the amazing people that we have especially up here in Scotland it being a new home for myself so yeah lockdown has been yeah amazing which is tough Mm. to say when you know that there is so much you know horror and horrible things happening around the world Mm. but I think to grasp onto the positives for yourself is really important during times like that it's definitely helped me through to a point now where I'm back in Glasgow and I've just moved into a new studio, you know, and that was something I realised that I needed when I was at home with my parents. I, you know, I, I liked having, my mum is a maker as well. So we were almost studio buddies during that time. And uh, it's, I'm hoping that that sort of develops the next step forwards within, within the businesses. So yeah, mm. it's all good. <laughs> no, that's that's good. I totally hear what you're saying about feeling 
maybe not guilty, I think guilty is the wrong word, but maybe not not want to share too much of how positive an experience it has been for mm. you because that's not been the same for everyone. Mm. And we know that for makers and creators and, and entrepreneurs, people that have established a business perhaps just before lockdown or, or are still trying to find their feet with it, it's been a really, really challenging time. Mm. But it sounds like when you moved back to the family home, did you know that all this thought and all this development was going to come in that in that time or or did you just kind of did you put any pressure on yourself I guess is what I'm wondering or did it happen quite organically no is the short answer it definitely happened organically I think I saw supposed to just go back a bit and give a little bit of like prehistory I was in I I left London uh, after I studied and I stayed on for another four years did loads of different other bits of work I uh, gave myself a sort of final year in London and um, to sort of either stick it out, stay in London and continue my London living, my London life, or ship out and try elsewhere. So at that, at that time, which was probably about six years ago now, I um, my parents had just moved up to the Highlands. So I felt like it was a good opportunity for me to to move somewhere new to sort of press reset a little bit after the craziness of London. So I, I I'd actually I've actually lived up with mum and dad for six months before. Little did I know that it was going to be the same length of time this time. But um, but I think uh, it it was different going up this time because I knew I had. I knew I had my Glasgow life to come back to, whereas before I'd moved up and it was almost like a um, like a retreat, like a six month retreat, where yeah. it was pretty silent. I was absent from my friends. Um, thankfully, could drive my mum's car and get out and about, but I knew nobody. Didn't know where I was. Knew nothing about the Highlands. I'd visited once when I was about eight years old. Um, and had the worst experience ever. I only had one book, forgot all my tapes for my tape player. Um, <laughs> I got a tick. I hated walking, hated the cold and the rain. And then, you know, like, you know, t- fast forward time and here I am mm. in Scotland and loving it. But, um, but yeah, it was very organic. And mm. I think... Yeah, almost reflecting on me saying that the first time was like a retreat, I suppose this time ended up being similar because, you know, I'm single and I, you know, as a single person, there's an awful lot, you know, you fill all the roles, basically. So you're constantly having to keep on board and on roll with, you know, okay, what am I eating for dinner? Like, have I got enough for lunch? Okay, I've got to be at the studio today, I need to do the post office. It's almost like keeping all the babies alive. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was lovely to be at home and have to be able to drop some of those things and not, you know, not have to think so much because mum is, you know, the matriarch. So, you know, does all the mm-hmm. cooking and things like that. And that was very, very nice. That was, <laughs> so it was quite a luxury. Um but then also, you know, on the sideline dying to get back to my my life. But yeah, it was good. Um, I think time, time was the crucial and really important word. And I think that we've all experienced something similar in that sense. Mm. Being given that 
precious gift of time to consider to stop to think um, has been really, really important. And I think it's something that, you know, yeah, I, th- I think it's something that we fail at. <laughs> you know, we fail yeah. to give ourselves time a lot of the time. Um, when all you need to do often as a self-employed person is say, no, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to give myself time, but we don't do it. We don't do it. And I often wonder why, you know, what is that? What is that thing in us all Mm. stops us doing that? Why do Mm. we constantly on the go? Completely. And for you, Anna, is that something that you feel you've got a good enough hold of now? Is it something that you've had to kind of learn? I guess it comes down to boundaries. Um, Mm. Boundaries are a big one, aren't they? I think for all of us. It's something that I began learning at the back end of my living in London, you know, knowing when to say no for yourself, not for anybody else, just for you, was when I I started a project called the Mongolia Project, which was a creative project. And I'm smiling because this mm. like, it sounds massive when I say it out loud. <laughs> um, It was a creative project to open up doors for artists and creative based in Mongolia or artists and creatives that had travelled and experienced Mongolia and were inspired by the country within their own work. Mm, I was basically running a a creative project for an entire country all on my own in London. The whole of Mongolia here. We're talking about the whole of Mongolia. And I mean, yes, it's rural. (laughs) There's an awful lot of people there that are creative, much like anywhere. It was tough. It was really tough. And it was when I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder and I had stress. I wasn't sleeping, you know, and and that was a really, really, really big learning curve for me. It was... It was hard and it made London living, which can already be very lonely, even more lonely, you know. And it, it sounds it sounds funny to say when you, you know, you're doing something for a whole country, like how is that lonely? You must have all of these contacts and yes, to an extent. But, you know, I, I found once I was back in London running um, running the project for Mongolians who notoriously are very very laid back and it can take months to get any kind of response from anybody either because that just is how they are or they're out in the nomadic land it was it was very difficult and I keep saying that because it truly was one of the hardest things I've ever ever done yeah did, so that that massively pushed you and and you touched on there the kind of impact on on your mental health, you know, and, and to, to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder is a, is a is a huge thing. What happened with that that piece of work in particular, Anna? Did mm. did you stick with it for a period of time? Did it come to an end? Did you did you bring it to an end? How how did it? I did. Unfold? I did bring it to an end. Yeah, it was. Um, it ran over a length of about two years. We did one event at Spitalfield City Farm and had one show, art show, 
with artists from all over the world, sort of Argentina, France, Mongolia, Cornwall. And it, it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. But I felt I felt like after that was eating into me, really. Mm. You know, having been diagnosed with anxiety, it was tough continuing with that when it had so many connections to that diagnosis. Mm. And although I've left it open, you know, I've said that maybe one day I'll, I'll go back to it. I honestly, if I'm really, really truthful, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. And I think that's okay. I've come to the point where, you know, that sort of tied up my Mongolia experience with a nice bow on top in a weird kind of way you know my trip itself out there was for two months and I experienced an awful lot and I did it all on my own I stayed with a family who were great and Mongolia is the kind of place where if you you go into the country knowing one person you'll come out knowing the entire country (laughs) you just you know they introduce you and introduce you and introduce you and it's amazing. And, I, you know, I have so many friends still living there and I hope that one day I can go back. But I think the project, the project was the beginning of me, I suppose, like becoming my own entrepreneur. And mm. yeah, it tied it off nicely. So that sort of led into everything else. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I left it behind. And you've left it with the bow attached to it you know that that's that's a positive ending um yeah I mean it was just it was it was a really great experience and I think you all with any experience there are always two sides there's always the positives and there are always the negatives and I think it's all too easy sometimes to hang on to the negatives and this has taken an awful lot of brain training for me I used to be very much stuck in the negative and Mm. It's only really been the last sort of five years, I think, that I've learned. I've, you know, I've been through counselling and mindfulness and meditation and all of these things to try and aid my anxiety. And it it's more beneficial for you to focus on the positives. Obviously, that's obvious, right? But it's really hard to do. And it takes a lot of practice to get to that point where you can put that spin on top, you can put that bow on top and see it as a positive experience. I wouldn't have the diagnosis without having gone through that. And that in itself, if you just spin that round, is a positive. I can then grow and learn and you know develop myself as to how that encompasses my life and how I... Mm. I'm able to deal with that so yeah always put the bow on top that's my <laughs> that's my I, we can just end it now <laughs> <laughs> we're only 20 minutes in Anna yeah, sorry no not gonna happen <laughs> no you've you've got so much to say I, I think that's a really healthy um take on it because what you're not doing is saying that you should always look on the bright side of life and you should should completely deny when times are tough and perhaps when there is something quite, not traumatic, but, you know, anxiety, it's a a huge thing. It can be massively debilitating Mm -hmm. um, and it can affect anyone at any point in their life. 
But what you didn't do was just deny that, um, you know, to enter counselling and to look at what the triggers are, you know, where it's maybe coming from and to understand that, it, you know, that, that takes strength. That's a huge, that's a huge step. So I, I loved reading your, your kind of show notes that, um, that you sent before we started the conversation. And it, it very much kind of, yeah, that side of you comes across that I don't view fail, failure as failure. You know, I, I'm just going to read it out. Yeah, yeah. You, say. you prefer to use the word hurdles because when you use the word failure, failure becomes a wall that is hard to break down. So for, for you, hurdles is a much, mm-hmm. it, it fits better with you. Definitely, definitely. I mean, if you were, I'm a really visual person. So imagine, you know, you've got, you're running and there's there's always that metaphor of you come across a brick wall when you're running and, what's the word, debilitating. It's a hard one. I know. Debilitating. You got it. And not everyone is a rock climber. Not everyone can get over that wall. Whereas you hit a hurdle you know and even if you hurdled a hurdle at school or you know seen it on the telly the olympics a hurdle is a lot easier to get over and if i can imagine it being a hurdle rather than a wall obviously it's easier to get over so i think keeping those visuals and i do it a lot with everything um you know when you're thinking about um getting getting nervous or getting anxious um getting stressed I think visualizing those those things that keep you calm for me it's the sea and you know I I never feel yeah I'm always at my calmest when I am at the sea Mm. Uh, it's just the you know the waves and like where's yours do you have a do you have a place that you're calm I think there's something really powerful about about the sea. Last weekend, um, we took a trip up to the Highlands, and yeah, we went to like the start of Loch Ness, mm. and I just stood there and I got my camera out and I recorded a little bit, but I just stood there, mm. and yeah, I think as a youngster, I spent a lot of time um, at Loch Lomond, so we used to have a caravan there and we had a little boat, and I feel so lucky that I got to spend so much time. You know, as a, as a city girl, I got to spend so much time by the water. Yeah. Because um, I yeah. think it does, it does very good things to the soul. Definitely. It was yeah. one thing that was really good when I was up with mum and dad as well. You know, like they live on the water, live on the Cromarty Firth. So you can see the water from the window and where I had my desk, which was upstairs on the landing. You had this really great view of the Firth and Cromarty in the distance. Um but the other thing I think that tied me really nicely to it um, is that the Firth is used for all the oil rigs, which is something I don't condone. I'm not very happy with the way that that industry works, but the structures themselves are amazing. So to see this kind of, you know, a highland idyllic, beautiful landscape, and then to have these huge metal structures in the water there was something really like I don't know it was almost like a metaphor for my life like I'm you know I grew up a lot of different places um but have always sort of found a connection to the city so I felt like that you know the structures were just this sort of these tall buildings and structural beings and it was amazing so I feel very lucky that my parents are up there it was 
it was um to have the water so close was wonderful mm. i need i need to mention the pink castle anna <laughs> because that <laughs> i just seen it and you just looked so at home stood outside that castle and i know that you received several messages from people saying that you should somehow buy it or crowdfund it and start delivering yeah. workshops from it. Yeah. it oh that was just serene did you find out who who owned it I and what story was behind it thing, yeah it's something in the back of my head that I'm like again it was what I wrote to you in my email but eyes bigger than my belly syndrome mm. and mm. as again I'm sure there's a more eloquent way of writing that but um you know yeah <laughs> like so it's this yeah the pig castle completely empty there was nothing there and um I would love I'd love to to have that opportunity to give the the water and the surroundings to other designers and yeah (laughs) again it's one of those ideas that I I throw out there and you know maybe something will catch one day I don't know um yeah and I think that's kind of how spot happened as well it was um it was uh I was just talking to somebody about markets and um the 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 wide variety that I think Scotland has but I think something that Mm. London and the south does really well is is sort of um sort of chops chops things down a bit more into sort of I guess to put it into a visual thing um like a library you know there's like a to z Mm. so um I think there was a gap up here for something that focused itself a bit more on a specific area within design um and it not just be a market be like a destination a something to go and spend your money and time at time being the important one to link full circle <laughs> um yeah and that started just purely through a conversation I was having with some friends I think it was at the Etsy Christmas get-together and mm. it went from there like starting with um Sarah of Squid Ink and then kind of developing into um, myself and colleague Rebecca and Clem now it's, it's been it's been an, an interesting journey so yeah I just started rabbiting then and I've lost no it. you didn't no it was you actually it was like a seamless link I was actually going to bring you on to spot design after you talked about saying that your eyes were bigger than your belly <laughs> and I wonder <laughs> and and I don't think you can see that any better than than that but I, I did wonder about spot design and was that an idea that was huge and you once you took a step back you wondered how you were going to pull it off or mm. it sounds like you had others others involved from quite early on as well, which I imagine helped. Yeah, it definitely did. Definitely did. I, I think that, you know, having that conversation with them and um a couple of them were really keen to get involved immediately, which was great and kind of validated my thinking my thought processes in that you know okay there's a gap for this that was exciting to start with I think the moment where it became daunting was when Sarah decided that um she wanted to put her efforts into you know looking after her little one and like her own business and um 
and didn't have room for both like I stupidly have <laughs> um, and not stupidly it's very productive um and it yeah that was very scary being left alone with spot suddenly became this ginormous burden I suppose to start with and we we skipped a market um after the first one because it, we just didn't quite know where it was gonna go mm. there's been a few occasions like that even um earlier on this year there was a moment where it spot may have come to an end um quite dramatically and and it's I'm glad I'm really pleased that it's kept going and I'm really pleased that other people see the benefits and other people have other people and friends have got involved now um I, I feel like it's got some legs and I'm really excited to see where it goes even if it does come to an end at some point you know I think this is a a small but mighty turning point for some makers in Scotland and that's been amazing like it's been so wonderful to have feedback after after markets of people you know the makers coming to us and saying thanks for having me I've got xyz amount of orders from the market and I've got this opportunity to work with this person and isn't that why we do these things in the end you know that's why we put ourselves out there so if if I can and spot can give a platform to people in order to boost their business then why aren't we all doing something like that why aren't we giving a hand to your neighbor or the lady down the street like you know let's help each other get to where we want to go mm. and it's yeah so there wasn't perhaps that approach in Glasgow before um and I'm wondering what it is what's stopping some makers from mm. from doing that is it part to do with you just need to you know you're running your own business and and a huge amount of pressure comes with that is it that you just become so tunnel visioned with what's in front of you and don't I wonder if those that pursue that this line of work maybe aren't always so good at asking for help or asking for support just because you're responsible for the thing that you that you make and mm. you feel it's all down to you I don't know yeah I mean it links us again back to what we were saying about imposter syndrome but I definitely feel that I, I do find it I do find it very hard to reach out and ask others for help I've got a lot better again it's with all the sort of brain training but but I think it's an inbuilt thing I know that you know my family as a whole none of us are very good for reaching out and asking for help we're all very stubborn and that is very very true with me that aspect of it yeah is is difficult sometimes not all the time mm. linking back to what we were saying about time in the highland mm. that has been a really good learning curve for me giving myself that time to reflect on what has happened previously is definitely setting me up setting me up for the future of both Spot and Anna Hepburn in terms of how I plan out my time, who I reach out to and why I'm reaching out to them. And I think remembering those things and remembering that people see the good in what I'm doing is is 
a really good way of opening up those barriers or those hurdles <laughs> that um that stop you from reaching out you're not oh. as well <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah definitely I think because we want to feel like yeah that what we're doing is good and it is making a difference and I mean your business is so ethically minded as well you know you're you focus on using reusing materials you know it's sourced well you charge really fair prices you know your your process is so clear and 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 you use that you know you really promote that but it's it's nice to know when you get that feedback you know it's not enough to just for you to know that all that is is set up and that you're working the way that you want to work it's important that other people yeah kind of acknowledge that and see it isn't it like you you know you don't you go through all these exams or like even just I don't know practicing your handwriting when you're very young you get a smiley face and a tick because that you know it gives you that extra boost you're like yay I'm doing something right like something is good and I think all of us need that all of our inner child however old we are needs that tick and a smiley face from someone (laughs) Total, total. I need validation every day that yeah. we can, and it's something that I, <laughs> it's something that I'm I'm working on. Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting working at where that comes from. Yes, it is, and and matched with that inability to ask for help when there is ample amounts of it around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to talk about kind of on a similar thread business skills and developing those skills because um, I know that you were involved with Prince's Trust. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to talk about how important was that experience for you? How were you pre-business experience? Uh, <laughs> and what difference did that make? Because it's, I don't know if, if I, I mean, I went to uni and I studied dance, but I came out as a, as a highly trained dancer, but as a performer and someone who had to sell themselves, you know, find, find work, I was useless. I was completely unprepared for the life of a solo performer and that completely backfired on me Mm. and I do sort of look to my place of study and with that element of blame for that that you're taught this trade but you're not actually taught how to oh man use it in the the big world we should have another time (laughs) 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 Uh, yeah I know course providers are changing and adapting to the real world but it's happening too slowly yeah (laughs) I 100% 100% agree and I can I can talk about that that's a separate podcast <laughs> I'll get you back on don't worry <laughs> yeah so what was it like at the Princess Trust how did you how did that connection happen yeah when I moved to Glasgow I didn't know a single person and I'd only visited Glasgow for half a day previously for a job interview which I didn't get really yeah so I moved here it was basically like starting all over again and you know I've gone through periods of like retraining I did furniture restoration and I think business is the other side of things I've definitely definitely learned a lot about and um my first sort of real job here was working at uh University of Glasgow in student services and I, I did, I ran that out and decided that I was just going to, much like moving to Glasgow, just throw myself in the deep end. I was just going to quit and see where I ended up. I'd saved a bit of money. Um, 
signed on and went from there. So did a short course in upholstery and whilst I was eligible, also signed up for the Princess Trust, which is a really, really, really good source if you are completely going in blind to business. I, at the time, didn't see a lot of what I was looking at during the course as very relevant. But I think I was coming in from a, I'm creative, this won't apply to me, um, I'm not here to make XYZ money and blah, blah, blah. But running a business, it's basically the same. It's basically the same for each and every business, no matter what it is that you are doing. So for me, reflecting on that, it was really beneficial. You know, you get lots of help. People come in and talk to you about finances and tax and, um, you know, nitty gritty of even sort of keeping keeping records of everything. And it was an eye opener. And knowing that I was sort of heading down that direction, um, it was great to have that support network of people that were also doing similar or starting their own businesses at the same time. Um, you get given a mentor as well. So, you know, you can just divulge all of these brain farts that you're having about like, you know, existential crisis around starting this bit up or like trying to trying to set up a meeting with this person in order to get that done or, you know, all the little things, they're there to listen and to guide and to support. So it was it was very, very useful. So, yeah, like anybody listening, start off at ground level, go and get some help and open up your eyes to the world of business, I think, is my mm. my leaving <laughs> full stop there. <laughs> is this you trying to end, end the podcast no. episode? <laughs> no, I just I've done that twice now. That's bad, isn't it? But no, I just mean like, you know, there are, I suppose what, what in me doing that, I'm like, I'm... I, it's like, it's up to you, right? It's, it's up mm. to you to, to do that. And you can listen to all of us people talking endlessly about all of our trials and tribulations. But in the end, it's down to you to, to go out there and do it for yourself. Mm. Much like you are, much like I am, much like everyone else mm. I've spoken to is. And yeah. I think um, it, it takes that gut and that fear to to push you out there yes it's it's really it's really hard it's so easy to just chill in the comfort zone and I mean I'm 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 quite struck by you working in student support services Mm -hmm. and then just deciding no (laughs) and, and leaving and and signing on and and just kind of having faith and just not kind of following your nose but having I I get the sense that you really trusted yourself to kind of find your own way towards what you really Mm -hmm. wanted to do and that that takes a lot of courage um I'm wondering what people around you thought about that I know that when you moved to Glasgow you didn't really know anyone but what what drove that decision because it's a it's a big one 
which bit? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, leaving London, leaving that safety net of of life that I'd set up for myself was one of the biggest things that I've done still, I think. Um, and I, I feel like doing that was the, I suppose, that initial like a set of dominoes like when you start you know you set them all up and then you push the end and it all tumbles along I feel like that was my initial domino and it's all just happened from there yeah you're asking how people (laughs) felt about that and I know I know especially my parents were very um concerned they're very like they're very good at letting me get on and doing I would like to do and for that I'm really grateful but I know that within that I also put a lot of worry on them so yeah there's two sides there's two sides to Mm. that and I think now I've lost track (laughs) no that no that's absolutely fine but uh, there there was a a strong driving force within you Mm -hmm. you know to to leave London that came with leaving a lot behind all those contacts and just the life that you made there mm. to come in here after spending half a day in Glasgow, which is... <laughs> nuts. <insane>. Yeah. <laughs> I would say nuts. Um, and looking back to you, would you say it was nuts at the time? Yeah, no, or, completely yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah there's, no nuts. Way I would, um, there's no way I would consider doing something like that now. I think mm. having, you know, I've, I've built everything from the ground up here in the city friends home a network the businesses like you know and the list carries on so it's um yeah I owe a lot to this city really and to the people within it I think it's 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 amazing you know I've, I've never really I've never really been anywhere and my dad was military so I've moved around quite a lot feel like I'm slightly educated in being able to say that I've never been anywhere that I have felt such openness and willing to help and open up with contacts and connections and Mm. um, offering you know a friendly arm to cry on or you know it's I think everybody is right when they say that Glasgow is a friendly city and making a comparison to London I never ever had that there and I tried so hard to set things up like the Mongolia project and um you know I worked in set design and e-commerce and all sorts of different things and you know nothing ever ever settled with me because I felt I didn't feel like I fitted in anywhere there wasn't that friendly arm or person to reach out to and I think Glasgow really, really does offer that. Scotland in general is very good at that. That's, that's really nice to hear. But also you're you're giving a lot back to the city as well. And, and I'm wondering whether that's that's quite important for you in moving here. But yeah. you don't you don't yeah, you don't yeah. need to answer that. No, I, I'm just wondering. Yeah. I'm never very good at hearing hearing that, that I'm like giving a lot back to <laughs> to somewhere. I think that's a that, yeah I think that's a, if I was to label it a failure in mm, myself sure. that I think that is something that I definitely still want to work on 
is mm-hmm. hearing that kind of thing and accepting it for my you know accepting it mm. really. yeah um, sure not just sort of taking it in and being like and swiping it away like taking it yeah. apart and thinking about that but, but I wanted to um uh yes I'm trying to get a little bit better at boundaries in terms of podcast recording Anna because um my episodes are getting longer and longer and then proving extremely hard to edit down <laughs> because apparently nobody really listens after 40 minutes so I'm going to start winding this up okay. <laughs> or else everything that you say from this point won't even get heard which would just be an absolute travesty so I usually like to finish my episodes by just asking everyone what are you giving yourself sort of full permission to feel that next and I won't use the word feel you know if hurdles were to pop up um in the coming months and and you did share that you know at one point spot that was a little bit of a concern whether that was going to go ahead or not but you you overcame that and you're really excited for the future of it yeah what what's going to be your approach to future hurdles what are you happy to come up against and um what challenges are you looking forward to to kind of taking on I think um I think I can answer that quite simply. I mean, like, motto that I live by is everything always works out. And, and I, you know, I, it's a daily mantra for me. I think, you know, no matter what comes up, there is always a way around it. And I feel like more people, more people need to, need to use that, need to take it, take it on board. We are taking a break from spots uh, this autumn. There's a few things that need ironing out and I'm really looking forward to doing that making sure that things, different things that haven't been in place before will be in place um, so that hopefully we can come back in winter and have our physical winter market, fingers crossed. <gasps> oh, um, yes. I hope, I hope, yeah. in all hope. But, but who knows what's going to happen, potentially second lockdown. Um, and with Anna Hepburn, which actually I haven't mentioned that much about during this, is... Um, oh, yeah is going to keep going that's about it but I mean I think I haven't mentioned it because I feel like there's nothing I feel like it's going in the right direction I feel like it's building and again to go back like time has been really important in realizing that I think just take day by day um again that's something I've learned through the anxiety like it you know it a different day can be different from the last so Mm. take it step by step everything Mm. works out and keep heading forward see things as a positive Mm. good ending girl good ending (laughs) yes so it's funny actually I totally didn't pick up on the fact that you've hardly mentioned no I, I hadn't until just then but yeah um I think it feels like it's going in the right direction so there's um, mm. not really much to talk about with it apart from the studio which is like mm. really exciting oh Anna all good things must come to an end I know <laughs> this is your first ever recorded conversation and that's a huge that's a huge deal um, so I really really appreciate you for for being open to be slightly vulnerable and for in what you have to say it's been great as well it's been great hearing what you have to say as well so thanks no bother thank you and i'll speak to you soon hi hi thanks for tuning in i hope you really enjoyed that chat with anna so you may have heard me at the end of episodes regurgitating that overused call to action please rate the podcast if you enjoyed tuning in it helps others know that i'm here 
So I had to think about this and for me right now ratings are nice but they don't really matter. What is useful to me however is knowing that this podcast is adding some value to your day. So if you did enjoy listening today don't star me on iTunes, instead send me a note. It can be a DM over Instagram, it can be a voice memo, anything. I can then use these comments, these little notes to help promote the podcast, but also to create more content and conversation around the themes and the topics that are just important or useful to you right now. So this is my leaving message. Don't leave me a star, leave me a memo. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you soon.